sermon, it resonated with me immediately, at least in one respect. The summer before last, I spent 10 rich and rewarding days in this part of Greece and had the chance to tour the site of Philippi with two of the site archaeologists. But when I thought about the passage in connection with the theme of the preaching series, why I follow Jesus or why I still follow Jesus, it didn't resonate with me very much at all. The two principal figures in the story, Paul and the keeper of the Philippian jail, both came to follow Jesus as a result of dramatic conversion experiences. In each case, the story of their lives was starkly divided into before and after. In my case, though, there wasn't much before to speak of at all. Like Garrison Keeler in Lake Wobegon days, I was born among the born again. I remember when I was a child singing gospel hymns like Years I Spent in Vanity and Pride, and doing so with great gusto, but with the uneasy inner realization that I really didn't have any misspent years to sing about. Also, for what it's worth, those who know me know that I can rarely be found at midnight uh, doing anything but sleeping. Perhaps it comes from being the eldest in a family of seven and thus never having had the opportunity to develop the ability to stay up late and sleep in. We Donaldsons are early risers, and we tend to fall off the end of the day at about 10 p.m., an endless source of mirth among the Donaldson in-laws when we get together for family gatherings. After sitting with the passage for a while, though, something did hit me, an aspect of Christian life that has had a significant part to play in my continuing to follow Jesus. I don't know that I would place it near the top of a list of reasons why I am still a Christian, but it certainly has a secondary place. About midnight, we read, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Corporate singing, joining together in song with other believers, has been part of my Christian life from the beginning. I don't think we had a record player in the house until I was 10 or 12, so most of the music I heard when I was a child was, uh, shall we say, organic rather than processed. Except for the classical music my mother played on the piano, most of the music I experienced was Christian. Sunday school songs, camp songs a little later on, gospel hymns, and especially the hymns sung a cappella from the Believer's Hymn Book in our Plymouth Brethren Breaking of Bread service every Sunday. Taken together, these, as much as any sermon or Sunday school lesson, served to form me in the faith and to teach me what following Jesus was all about. The music seeped into my bones, and bits and pieces of it can still pop unbidden into my mind from time to time. Sometimes I'm embarrassed by the music that pops into my mind with its primitive theology or trite and sentimental musical style. But I can still connect with some of it. Gospel hymns that I can now recognize as deeply rooted in traditional forms of North American music. And especially the communion hymns we sang every Sunday, such as Jesus, Thou Joy of Loving Hearts, or When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Of course, I outgrew my childhood, as most of us do, 
and was soon eager to explore the wider world outside the Christian bubble into which I had been born. My teenage years coincided with the turbulence of the 1960s, with its dazzling explosion of music old and new. But part of the explosion was the emergence of Christian music in contemporary forms, and that too played its own part in helping me navigate adolescence and arrive at young adulthood with a commitment to continue following Jesus. Well, this isn't a place for a full biography, musical or otherwise, but looking back over the various segments of my life to date, I can clearly see how corporate singing, singing in formal or informal Christian groups, has continued to be a significant factor in my life as a Christian. In answer to the question, why do I still follow Jesus, I don't think my first answer would be because I get to sing with other followers. Still, singing with others who are also following Jesus on the way has helped to reinforce my faith, to provide encouragement, and to make the following a joy rather than a burden. This music for the journey has taken a variety of forms. The Jesus people music that drifted up the coast from California to BC when we lived in Vancouver for a couple of years in the 1970s. Music from the Anglican and Roman Catholic charismatic renewal movements when we were in Saskatoon in the 1980s and 90s. Liturgical music in the Eucharist and daily offices. The world music that my brother Andrew has brought into my life. Christian music from Africa, South America, and around the world. Traditional Appalachian music accompanied by fiddle, mandolin, guitar, and of course, banjo. And all through the years, the grand hymns of the church, especially the rich tradition of Anglican hymnody. Corporate singing does a number of things, it seems to me. It certainly has a catechetical function. In a Christian context, singing together serves to teach the faith, to inculcate values, and to reinforce basic convictions. In a related aspect, singing together with other Christians provides us with a living experience of the body of Christ. Together with a diverse group, people of different ages, ethnic origins, and denominational backgrounds, people with different gifts and abilities, perhaps with different theological understandings and forms of spirituality. To gather with such a group and to join our voices together in a hymn of praise is to experience in an embodied way what Paul must have been talking about when he said, we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. Further, singing provides us with a unique form of corporate expression. Here I was going to say that it provides us with a unique form of praise, but it's not limited to praise. Singing is a means of giving expression to a range of things. Praise to be sure, but also petition, repentance, exhortation, contemplation, adoration, and so on. Of course, all these things can be done in other ways as well. Catechesis happens in church school and adult education. Corporate identity is expressed in the Eucharist. Spiritual expression takes place in prayer, confession of faith, and so on. And not everyone is musically inclined or affected to the same extent by corporate singing. Be this as it may, for many of us, music has a power to do all of these things in deep and effective ways. For my part, I never experience a catch in my voice when I'm reciting the creed or saying the Magnificat. 
but my normally calm, rational, and phlegmatic self is regularly surprised at the emotion that can well up in the singing of certain types of hymns. It's not surprising then to see that singing together was an important part of Christian existence in the New Testament period. There aren't all that many direct references to singing, but where it is mentioned, it seems to be taken for granted that singing together is simply something that Christians do. Today's passage is typical in this regard. Elsewhere, we read that Jesus and his disciples sang a hymn at the end of the Last Supper before leaving for the Garden of Gethsemane. The readers of Colossians and Ephesians are encouraged to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in their hearts. The book of Revelation contains a number of songs sung by the heavenly hosts. One can well imagine that the songs were sung by earthly saints as well. On a closely related point, there are a number of poetic passages within the New Testament that probably existed as freestanding hymns before they were incorporated into the larger writing. Which brings me back to our point of departure. Several years after the midnight sing-song in the Philippian jail, when Paul's initial proclamation of the gospel had resulted in a vibrant and growing congregation in Philippi, and coincidentally when Paul was again in jail, he wrote a lovely little letter to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. The letter contains a magnificent passage that many interpreters believe, with good reason, was a freestanding hymn that Paul had incorporated into the letter at an appropriate point. Most of you will be familiar with the passage, which begins, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, and so on. In a few moments, we will sing a contemporary hymn based on the passage. May the experience of singing it together help to reinforce our faith and renew our desire to keep following Jesus along the path he has opened up for us. In his name and for his sake, amen. Amen.